The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Die Hard, where we are going to discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in this movie. I'm sure there are some somewhere. Joining me today in the panel are David Henlos. Hey, David. Hey, how's it going? Very well, thanks. Mike Denz. Hi, Mike. Hey, Dom. It's good to see you again. And Thomas and Herho. Hey, Thomas. It's great to be here. Now, you got to put some jingle bell noises after you mentioned Die Hard in the, in the intro there. <laughs> okay, now I'm obligated to do that, so I will do that now, yes. If the folks will have heard that already. Folks, be sure to, uh, if you if you have just a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from and write a review of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows so that we can get more and more uh, folks out there to join the fun that we're having here. And also share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community of listeners. And uh, we, we have a lot of great content that's still to come in the new year in 2022. Some really great stuff planned. So be sure to check it out. All right. Let's talk about Die Hard. But very first, the very first question that has to come up. It, it, you know, because we're, you know, they were releasing this in December of 2021. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Guys, do we have a consensus? Do we have to go round robin on this? I don't uh, think we have to go round robin. I think we all agree. It's absolutely yes. a Christmas movie. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but uh, as uh, David mentioned before we started, uh, the whole movie is on Christmas Eve. Yes. Uh, and the quintessential Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I think in the very beginning, before they flash back, it's it's Christmas uh, yeah. Eve. But then, but then the whole time that it's not Christmas, it's summer, it's whatever. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, they sing a New Year's song. They right. don't sing a Christmas song, <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. a Christmas movie. It's it's like everyone, you know. I mean, who who's I I, I wanted to look this up and I forgot. Is it Frank Sinatra who sings? Uh, oh, you know the. Let it snow uh, at the end of the movie. At the end of uh, Die, uh, Hard? End of Die Hard. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was going to say Frank Sinatra did not sing during It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. At the end of Die Hard. Well, 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 I'll look it up. Don't worry. But anyway, yeah. Yes. I, I have. It's there's plenty. I love It's a Wonderful Life, but I'm just saying. Yes. Uh, Die Hard has more qualifications. Uh, more jingle music. Uh, more Christmas music, um, more, more, cr- more Christmas references. More, yeah, tons yeah. of ho ho ho, like <laughs> machine gun. You know, I mean, ho 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 and machine gun. That's like Home Alone. Isn't isn't Run DMC involved in some uh, some way too? Yeah, yeah Run DMC had a song Christmas yes. in Hollis that they yes. yeah. that was popularized by this movie. So, all right, <laughs> yeah. so we are we are in agreement that uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and anyone who rejects that will be. Uh, rejected uh, as a heretic <laughs> so all right moving on from there uh, we've, we've established that so this is a 1988 movie directed by john mctiernan starring bruce willis as john mcclain so uh it was uh it was it's interesting it's based on a novel which i i just i just realized you know found this out when i was getting ready for this podcast that it's based on a novel i, I kind of want to read the novel now because uh-huh. <laughs> that's gonna be something but uh it was not well received initially by the critics, uh, b- 
but but it was loved by the audiences. It was the 10th highest grossing movie of 1988, the highest grossing action movie nominated for four Academy Awards. I'm guessing it's not for <laughs> acting or or maybe Alan Rickman got one. I don't know. But uh, you should have. Yeah, <laughs> you should have. I mean, this was a, a uh, movie that catapulted a bunch of people to fame. Uh, the cast, Bruce Willis. This was his first big movie he, he mm-hmm. was coming from tv he was known for the tv show moonlighting you know uh you know being the wisecracking uh, detective in moonlighting and now this was what brought him to the to the theaters uh we have like i said alan rickman who was known but this really you know his turn as hans gruber really was his big his the beginning uh, of yeah, I, I, his oh, yeah i never i had never heard of him before yeah yeah he was a stage actor before this this was like his first big screen event i think okay okay yeah 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 yeah, that and i think he played a alien on a starship too but that was he wasn't he didn't like that role Uh, no no (laughs) that's his other great role yes his other great role yes uh and and then of course snape but uh we have uh reginald vell johnson as sergeant al powell who would later go on to uh, TV fame uh, with uh, Steve Urkel, a great typecast con- as a cop for the rest of his life. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> family matters. Yes, yeah. Bonnie Bedelia. Now she she didn't really go very far after this, right? I mean, what was she went all the way to the second movie? Yeah, uh, <laughs> the only other thing I remember her for was um, Presumed Innocent. That right, um, right. oh yeah, she was the, the you know not spoiler alert. Uh, the bad one you know the, the actual murderer in that movie spoiler for 30 um, year old movie yeah and so she right. she had like that brief moment as the go-to leading lady for you know bruce willis and, and right for it but then late 80s didn't do really much else at all <laughs> um william atherton as uh the slimy tv reporter thornburg he was a quintessential <laughs> 80s guy you wanted to hate yes he, 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 he played it so yeah. good at that yeah yeah, yeah. He, 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 basically the same role as ghostbusters you know uh, or, or real oh, yeah. geni- or real oh. genius actually yeah yep yeah, yep yeah. um then there was uh let's see um oh the uh gleason uh paul gleason who we knew as the uh, vice principal from Breakfast Club shows up again in this as the uh, deputy uh, chief of police, <laughs> and uh, Alexander Gudnov as Carl, the the insane German <laughs> terrorist. Uh, I mean, just you, there, and then just a lot of these other actors that you just kind of recognize from all those movies from the eighties and nineties, and they just you or, know there. It's like, hey, that hey, that guy who's going to show up in Walker, Texas Ranger in a few in a few years. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, a, a really great cast. I mean, it's a lot of great people. But I want to talk also about the setting, because this is the late 80s. So this is so quintessential 80s. Like if you were under the age of 25, this is going to be like looking into another world to you. I mean, it has to like the, the, the uh, thing that really I was said, 17 and I, yeah. I remember. Right. But I mean, if you're under the age of 25 now, like, uh, oh, you, I'm sorry. I thought yeah. you meant then. OK. Oh, like, right. yeah. This would be looking into a whole no, nother this is like, bizarro world. Right. Like, mm-hmm. The yeah. first moment that it looked bizarre to me was on the plane when McLean stands up and his jacket <laughs> opens and the guy sees the gun like he's he's a cop carrying a gun <laughs> on a plane because it's a thing cops could do in the 80s. You know, it's just so like so very different. Like, uh, yeah, it was uh, that was the one that the first thing that leaked out to me. But uh my favorite dating of the movie is when uh, Al comes out of the gas station with his Twinkies 
Uh-huh. And he checks out Nakatomi with Plaza, which is right there. And it pans up and you see that the price of gas is 79 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, a throwback. Um, that's in like, California, whoa. no less. <laughs> and yeah, I know, really. I mean, which meant it was like 50 cents here in where I live. You know, yeah, right. New York. Um, Ohio, either one. The uh, the the uh, idea of this big Japanese corporation, Nakatomi Corporation. I mean, back in the eighties, Japanese companies were the successful companies compared to American companies. I don't know if you guys remember, like mm-hmm. the what was the um, the Michael Keaton movie that? Uh, oh, the car, the car movie, the Cars movie. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you no. Sorry. That was such I, a I good movie said, too. I almost uh, said use cars, but that, that's that's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, We'll think of it. We'll think of it. But uh, yeah, so like the Japanese corporation, uh, things like smoking indoors at the airport, uh, the limo driver bragging about how the car has a a phone and a CD player. Yeah, (laughs) it's got everything. Uh, Just a lot of fun stuff like that. I should mention the setting to Nakatomi Plaza in real life is. Well, it was called Century Plaza. Now it's called Fox or was called Fox Plaza. Now it's Century Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, so that that and it was a, it was an active building too. So they had to they, they apparently had to be quiet on set all day. Yeah, <laughs> because they would be disturbing the lawyers up on the twenty fifth floor. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Uh, the uh, David says we message the the movie with Michael Keaton was called Gung Ho, and that that was that was a very funny movie. I have to say. <laughs> um. So yeah. And another. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I the you might have you brought up uh, Bruce Willis uh, yep. as moonlighting. Uh, and and how bizarre it was for us to in the 80s, if you were, you know, over 10 years old, you were thinking Bruce Willis in an action mm-hmm. movie. Yes. Um, I mean, you this is when only besides Clint Eastwood, you had to be a former Mr. Universe if you were going to be in an action movie. You had Schwarzenegger <laughs> and um, Stallone, Stallone doing yep. all these action movies. And, you know, and then after Rocky, like Dolph Lundgren tried to do some that didn't work. But but, you know, Bruce, <laughs> Willis, a, a comedian. You know, and now it's it's like that's what you do. You get the funny guy who and teach him how to do some kung fu, and and he's you know an action hero, right? Eddie Murphy, or um, who's the guy who plays Deadpool? I just had him in my Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds is like yeah. action hero, you know. But back then that was like crazy, and now anybody who came, like you said, who is twenty five or younger, even thirty or younger, that's all they think of him as is an action hero. Right. And, you know, and and anyone, remember, well, not anyone, but a lot of people will recognize that throwaway line that you know when the movie's just really starting to get heated up, he's calling uh, as part of his SOS that there's enough explosive in the building to orbit Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was <laughs> the one of the original choices for the movie. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they offered the role to Schwarzenegger and to Stallone. Both of them turned it down. So, uh, yeah, that that's. That would have been a funny line coming from Schwarzenegger. <laughs> but but first, before all of that, they yep. had to offer. They were under obligation to offer it to uh, a one of the Rat Pack. So what? did you guys know this? Oh no. right, no. So you got to check this out. So so there's a there's a great uh, thing on Netflix that's like uh, the the movies that uh, the movies, the movies that, made that made us. us. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they do one about Die Hard. And apparently, this was a sequel to uh, the Detective, which was a '68 movie that Sinatra was in. 
and they were under an obligation to offer the role to Sinatra first. <laughs> and so if you could have imagined Sinatra being the lead on yeah. this, it would have been a completely different movie. Whoa. <laughs> Septuagenarian. Wow. He had to be in his <laughs> 70s at least in the back then, maybe even his 80s by then. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, movie would be called Die Soon then. <laughs> <laughs> so, or die already. Die, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to go back to the point about that, the Bruce Willis is, you know, John McClane was a very different kind of action hero. And like, we like to think of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in 24 uh, as that, the guy who's constantly beat up, but keeps on going. Like that's the action. Mm -hmm. That's sort of an action hero trope we have now. He just like, how can this guy continue to get up and go again? You know, whereas like, you know, Schwarzenegger and it's Stallone and the action heroes of the eighties. Yeah. They, they got, you know, a lot of physical, you know, beat up, but they, they were, they didn't look at, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, I'm thinking like commando and predator, you know, they just was, they were invincible, but these were the, the guys which I, that's a bit of ironic given Bruce Willis was in invincible, but these are the guys who, <laughs> who get, you know, beat up to nothing, you know? And, and I mean, by the end of this movie, John McClane is literally hobbling on his last leg out out of the building and uh, it really kind of was a new kind of action hero uh, so yeah that is interesting th to think about that it started here and but the whole look of the movie the everything it it changed like everybody copied you know yeah. die hard was the first of these movies that i think of recently like um uh you know the what is it olympus has fallen you know oh yeah uh, yes. and those kind yeah. of movies you know the these kind of things that center around uh you know one action hero and one really well cast villain who's you know seems like we just nothing we can do about this guy and and the clashing um and just the style of it all yeah is very different from in you know the the previous you know schwarzenegger and stallone uh and films it just it, it was really different and john mctarran and everything that they did it it, it just broke ground broke new ground right I, I want to talk a little, uh, briefly about the music in the movie because the music is great, it, which is it's funny given that uh, Michael Kamen, who was hired to do the music, did not want to do soundtrack music. But <laughs> one of the things that Tarrant McTiernan wanted to do was he wanted Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, what we know as the Ode to Joy, to be a, an integral part of the entire soundtrack. And as you listen to the to the soundtrack, you hear elements of it coming up again and again. Uh, sometimes in minor keys to you know when it, when the villains are on screen and that sort of thing, and until it builds up to that moment when they open the vault and it plays yeah. and, and it's like the, the 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 light shines on their faces and it's there's it's, even wind coming from the vault yeah. blowing <laughs> Alan Rickman's hair a little bit. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know, there's negative pressure out of the vault or whatever or something. <laughs> yeah, but so sure we'll do with that. Yeah, let's go with that. But uh, I mean, it's it's just a great soundtrack i mean and not just that but there's plenty of christmas music as we mentioned winter wonderland and let it snow uh and the uh, christmas in hollis with the run dmc and uh it just it was just kind of a, a lot of fun and there's even a moment later on where that scene where carl and uh and mclean are fighting to the death and where i swore i like that sounds like alien like the movie alien it was. In fact, the music music from the movie Alien, McTiernan didn't like the music that comic, uh, Michael Gimmon had done for that scene. So he kept the temp music that they'd put on it 
with, from Alien instead. I just, it, it just, I thought that was hysterical. But uh, nothing I, in Hollywood ever goes away. No, no, yeah. So it, I really like the the. I think the music in this was really great and really, you know, was a key element of what made this a great movie. And my my favorite scene that we could talk about later uh, that began in the elevator with uh, Mr. Takagi and and uh, Gruber going up. And he's even humming. He's humming the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's right. Joy. So that it's, you know, it's everywhere. And <laughs> it's definitely the bad guy's theme. It's like it represents their desire to get in the vault. Right. And, and it crescendos when the vault opens. And given that they're German villains, you know, and it's Beethoven, you know, it kind of has yeah. German-ish. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, Alan Rickman's German accent comes and goes, even when he's not intentionally trying to do a really bad American <laughs> accent. <laughs> but what was it? Unste Finster. <laughs> shoot the glass shoot the glass so, uh, <laughs> so funny so um let's talk about the 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 the, the plot of the movie itself you know we have this the couple on the verge of divorce it's kind of a trope you know uh mclean is a cop new york city cop his wife this is a very 80s thing gets a promotion in her job and she goes off to to california for this promotion and he refuses to go and she takes the kids and uh, this is the reconciliation at Christmas the, or the potential reconciliation at Christmas. And uh, so he's he's flying out and um, she's working for this big firm, very 80s firm. You have Ellis, who is the stereotypical slimy 80s business executive who's doing cocaine every two scenes. Um, yep. Uh, it just... And I have to ask, say, ask Holly out on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes, oh. yes, the married woman. Uh, I have to say, one of the things my my friends and I always, you know, always one of the, we were always quoting movies at each other. One of the movies, the lines we always quote is Hans Booby. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm your so, white knight. <laughs> your white knight. Like I'm surprised, you know, that Hans didn't shoot him right then and there for that line. But <laughs> but uh, just. So you have this Christmas party. McLean shows up and it's very 80s Christmas party. There's one there's one scene of, you know, they had to they have to throw in the it's 80s action movie. So there's a scene of a of a naked female chest at one point. They have to do it. I don't know. You know, it was like contractual. Contractual. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the, it goes, the USA Cup managed to the, the basic cable managed to block it out. But. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is it's so inconsequential. It's completely useless. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. completely useless scene. It, there's no point to it at all. Um, Especially and, since they had already established what was happening with that couple. Right. Like, there two were, minutes beforehand. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking for a room. Come into the room looking for a room and then they leave. It's like, okay, well, we know what's going on. Just why did that even have to come up? <laughs> and uh, I, I, one of the things I liked, again, this is sort of the 80s thing that McLean, when he comes, gets to the the, the building. He goes to the front desk and he's like, uh, you know, I'm here to to see Holly McLean. And he's like, just use the computer. And it's just a very 80s touchscreen, you know, mm-hmm. and he has to look her up. And it turns out it's she's going by her maiden name. And he's very upset by that. And it and he's like, oh, yeah, Holly General. Oh, yeah. They're on the 30, 31st floor. That's the only people left in the building. Like, I know. Why like, did you just say that? Just yeah. that? He just wanted to show <laughs> off his touchscreen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only people left in the building are on the 31st floor. Just go up. <laughs> so, uh, but then he, we're, uh, we're glad you're going to get shot later. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. That guy is not long for the world. Uh, then um, McLean acts like a jerk to his wife. 
he, yeah. he picks a fight with her. He's just flown right. across the country and picks a fight with her right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And she's like really at that moment of really you know, wanting to reconcile. And he's yeah. like, oh, so you, you're going by your maiden name now. And it's like, oh, dude. Uh, yeah. and, and then he, to his credit, he, he kind of immediately regrets it because, you know, it's like, oh, he, he, he literally hits his head against the wall, <laughs> against the door. Yeah, you right. yeah. But the chemistry was there. They had they gave us a little window into why, why they're living, you know, on two different ends of the coast. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they establish a lot very quickly in that story. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. They, they don't take too long. Uh, and. And and one of the things I like is is that they don't spend too much time on this the whole build up thing. To the, you know the bad guys show up fairly soon, like mm-hmm. not too soon, but fairly early. They're there. Uh, they pull up in their in their truck and they unload, and it's all like clockwork. Like you you know this has been planned to the to the the millisecond. Everyone knows what they're doing. I have to say, Even hiding an ambulance in yeah. that yes. <laughs> in the moving truck, yeah, that wasn't there. That <laughs> wasn't there when they got there. Yeah. It's a blow. It's a blow up ambulance. It's a blow up. And, <laughs> and uh, I have they to say, they, they, they chose, it was a half finished vehicle from Gung Ho. They just yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, and uh, that's one of the that's one of the the things about these new the movies that they started. They get right into it. Yes. They're not doing the mm-hmm. the Jaws. We'll see the shark at the end, or or you right. know anything and anything like that that you'd build up to the the. We got to introduce everybody. And everything. No. We'll do that real quick, and we're going to get to the action, entertain you, popcorn movie, the whole way. That's true. They, that's true. Even just getting getting this point, they've accelerated to this point, but they've already got they they already managed to hook early in that you know John McClane got nervous flying, so he's barefoot to relax that you know on the plane. So right, he's, you know, he's you know they've had a fight. He's barefoot. What you know, he's barefoot, and and all of a sudden. Terrorists. Terrorists show up. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Barefoot. Uh, barefoot. Fist with your toes. Sweaters off. He just has the muscle shirt on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's ready to run around. Fist with your toes. And uh, <laughs> the the uh, the bad guys lock down the building. I I I have to admit, I find the computer guy really annoying. It's just something about him that just. Really? Was, oh, he's yeah. my favorite. He's my favorite part of the movie. I love that character. He's just so cheesy. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Maybe. So smug. It's the yeah. smug. It was like, the yeah. night before I, Christmas and off of the house was three. Blah, blah, going through two yeah. by two cover formation. <laughs> right. and, and, and I think that I honestly still think that's why he when he went when he made it to Walker, Texas Ranger, he got beat up so much. And then you have uh, they, uh, I love they locked down the building. Make sure you stop the escalators. That way, no one can go up them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the elevators still work. Yeah, the elevators but, are still working, but the escalators. But the escalators, the, you're out of you're out of luck. You're out, yeah. You're not going anywhere. So the whole idea was they they wanted to steal six hundred and forty million dollars in bearer bonds. Now, negotiable I know, bearer bonds. Negotiable bearer. So, <laughs> so back in the eighties, the uh, crook stealing bearer bonds was a, was a trope. Beverly Hills Cop was the same thing. I had no idea what they were. I ended up looking them up later on, you know, uh, in, when the internet was a thing. And I, they, so bearer bonds are just bonds, U.S. government bonds worth a, a certain amount that whoever, it, they work like cash. Whoever owns, mm-hmm. holds them, owns them. They, they don't, they're not, for, you know, owned by somebody who signed it for it or something like that. So $640 million in 1988 dollars, I looked it up. Would be one and a half billion dollars today, so it's oh. it's a huge heist, of course. Is that twenty so. percent, like uh, Han said? Twenty percent sitting on a beach, earning twenty percent. 
Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's probably not quite twenty percent, but but you're probably <laughs> close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Uh, sorry, just the, the, I'm going to quote lines at random <laughs> here. Is, yeah, they're they're great. Um, I can't stop. So you know, so there's just there's a lot of action. He starts killing the bad guys one by one. Um, apparently that scene where he was under the boardroom table shooting up through it. It, this the blanks were so loud that it caused him a permanent two thirds hearing loss in his ear. Wow! So, wow! Yeah. So uh, I mean that you, you think about well, I mean th- that's been in the news lately about blanks and and uh, on set and you know blank guns on set, but uh, it's kind of wild that. Uh, that's you know, another you, similarity to It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. There you go. Oh, there. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Spooky. Um. So. I mean, it's it's um, it's a violent movie. There's plenty of, you know, bl- splatter and blood and people dying. Um, but, but it's not as violent as some of the other stuff that was out. Like yeah. you, you no, mentioned no. Commando and Predator and both of those are like oh. the, the violence in those is gratuitous to kind of a disgusting point. Right. Yes. Where this movie is horror film like yeah. exactly. Yeah. This this movie's more grounded in sort of a reality. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's action hero-y, but it's still much more real than that kind of stuff. You mentioned Commando earlier, where Schwarzenegger wouldn't get hurt. I mean, it, towards the end of it, he's you know he's he's just basically standing there on a beach, just 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 mowing people down like it was the like like it was spraying a fire hose. People just falling yes. <laughs> yeah. everywhere. It was a game my buddies and I had that we'd go to the movies and we okay we count in the final fight how many guys does he kill? <laughs> yes, and, and it would be like seventy. A hundred. Like it was like these crazy numbers. I remember like uh what was the Cobra, which was a Stallone one? He has this oh, fight. Yeah. I was thinking about that with the toothpick in his mouth. Yeah, yes. He has this fight in a supermarket and he kills like seventy two bad guys or some crazy thing like that, you know. I mean this is this there's twelve bad guys and he works his way through them, you know, in the course of the movie. Uh mm-hmm. so and the stakes are pretty high. Yeah, yeah. That, that, which which is I think what kind of what makes it you know you, you don't expect him to go kill a whole bunch of the bad guys all at once you expect that if he gets cornered by more than two of these guys at a time he's done and right. he's almost done several times just by mm-hmm. by two of them you know two of them corner him early and he's almost hosed right right and that's the thing is, is he it, he's he isn't in control of the situation he's constantly escaping by the skin of his teeth and he's constantly on his heels and. And, you know, trying to trying to get somebody outside the building to listen to him and cooperate. He's got Al on his side, Al, you know, Sergeant Al Powell. Uh, and, and that's such a they, speaking of chemistry. There's such great chemistry between them throughout the movie. <laughs> that uh, at the end, when they run into each other, it's like, there's the love scene that we really right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they run to each other in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> he, he shoves his wife aside. And <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, and I, he does, but for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that, that Al just kind of talks back to the deputy chief of police the whole time. Because, oh, yeah. because like, it's one of breath mint. <laughs> yeah, when he's going to see the FBI, you want to you want a breath mint? Uh, everybody in authority is bad, is incompetent at their job. The mm-hmm. the the deputy chief of police, the SWAT commander, the FBI, everybody is a screw up, and and the only one who's competent in all of this is McLean. 
who, who the SWAT the team who, who hurts himself on the rose bushes when they're going through. <laughs> Not about that. That was a weird, funny like thing to add in. Oh, I yeah, love it. Just just to show their incompetence, they can't even handle thorn bushes. I love the fact that they you know they get to the to the doors and they're like, I can't pick the lock. Get out the the uh, welding torch and cut through the lock. I'm like, they're glass. <laughs> Why don't you just break the glass? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was kind of yeah incompetence we're uh, shooting at the lights <laughs> yeah. um, i always remember when i first saw that i was you know a few years before that but i always remember remind reminds me of the me of the, the jerk with steve martin he hates these cans <laughs> yeah. shooting at the can. <laughs> stay away from the cans he hates he the cans <laughs> You know, apparently, speaking of the SWAT team, they had to they had months of negotiations to drive the uh, the, the tank up the steps of the Fox Plaza uh, there, the, the Nakatomi Plaza place. Uh, it's just again, that emphasizes they were literally filming at, you know, where people lived and worked. <laughs> they had to work around that. I just think that is incredible. That, that might have been the uh, the whole uh source of the cut the power scene like you know uh you can't do this you're gonna you know yeah 10 city blocks i can do it right now no you can't <laughs> <laughs> right uh the um i wasn't gonna say the uh um one of the things i liked was the the crawling to the ventilation shafts that were authentically small <laughs> Not mm-hmm. like these giant rooms that people could crouch through, like mm-hmm. like you have in movies now. Like the, and it's that it's that classic scene now, that classic image, which is probably the image I'm going to use for the cover art for this episode of McLean with the with the the lighter in the in the shaft. In fact, there is a Christmas tree ornament I saw that's that. Like it's a little diorama <laughs> of that of McLean with the lighter in the in the, the ventilation shaft. Uh, that's, and the lighter the, lights up in the with your Christmas lights. Yeah, <laughs> I stick would, a little yes. bob in there. Yeah, yeah. I would hope. I would hope. <laughs> yeah, better. Um, yeah. One of the things I like is is the uh, the complex plants. Everyone's incompetent except for the bad guys. Actually, I mean they're oh, yeah. they're really competent. They have these comp this complex plan that they've got all set that they're pretending to for at first to be terrorists, and then uh, you you think that they're oh they're 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 uh, not going to make it because they're going to have everything shut off. When in fact, having them think they're terrorists and shutting the power off is precisely what they want them to do in order to get into the vault. And it's just the—I really like the fact that they've flipped everything on its head. And it's the bad guys who are comp- competent, the good guys are incompetent, and yet the good guys still win in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think the brilliant part about this movie is this movie is a heist movie gone yes. wrong. And, that, and that's like yes. that's the whole thing about it is like you see the the heist movie without all the planning, but you see the heist go down and this one guy just manages to be there and foil it. And and if McLean hadn't been there, it would have gone off without a hitch. It would have been perfect. Right. The fly in the ointment. Right. The monkey in the wrench. A lot of heist movies usually do it from the thief's perspective. Can you imagine what would, if this all would have been from Han's perspective? Oh, we lost David. <laughs> we lost David. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we lost you for a second there, David. But oh, yeah. uh, you, you were saying a, a lot of uh, heist movies are from the thief's perspective. Uh, so can you imagine Gru- Gru- this being from Gruber's perspective? <laughs> that would be a very different movie. <sighs> I mean, and if if they had pulled it off, I mean, they would have killed all those people on the roof. The whole idea was to blow blow up the roof, make the make the authorities think that the terrorists died in that explosion, and they're off 
like you said, sitting on a beach earning 20%. We're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's another great line. <laughs> this is Agent Johnson. This is also Agent Johnson. No relation. No, no, no relation. the other one. <laughs> yeah, no, the other one. That was actually another great line. I love that. Uh, Johnson. No, the other one. <laughs> the uh, I, I like the, uh, oh, the also weird jo- uh, Johnson. It's like it's like being back in Nam. And the other Johnson is like, <laughs> yeah, I was in middle school. <laughs> uh, when uh, when he. When Al shows up at the front door and is getting shot at as he's driving away, McLean yelling out, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> another, another great line. Um, uh, another line. I mean, I could, we could all go on and on. Oh, but yeah. the, uh, <laughs> this, this line is for emergency guilty. What do you think? I'm ordering a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I'm calling to report an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I know, I don't know if you were like, get to this or whatever, but, um, just throw it out. Alan Rickman, <laughs> yeah, makes the movie. I, I, it would oh, not yes. be the success it was. I, it would be an action movie. It might have been pretty good, but it, it throws it over the top because of him. And I don't know, you know, the way he played it. And my favorite scene is from the elevator to when Takagi gets shot. It's uh, just mm. how sinister and funny he is. You know, like it's a nice suit. You know, uh, you know. You got it in London. I think Arafat gets his there, and then yeah. and then he goes. He's humming the music, and he goes, "Oh, I love these models. The you know the attention, every detail. I did this as a boy." And then he goes, "You know, I could talk about industrialization and men's fashions all night, but work must intrude." <laughs> yeah, he's so. <laughs> and and my but... friend Theo has some questions for you, kind of fill in the blanks kind of questions. Actually, and he just delivers them so well, and it was. In an accent, I like it, it. <laughs> but it's a terrible German accent. Like it's, it's, but it sounds and, and so a, great. It's, yes. it's perfect, but it's <laughs> it's an awful accent. But yes. you know, and I don't know. Just his screen presence is such that he can do that and still make you believe that he's the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, he's so very urbane. He's so he quotes Shakespeare. You know, and <laughs> yeah, the benefits of a classical education. You Pretty know, sure. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's so great. And then later on, when when we have this moment where. McLean finds him on the roof inspecting the explosives and McLean doesn't recognize him because he's never seen what he looks like mm-hmm. and he's right there in front of him and he quickly on a on a dime turns like oh don't hurt me and he does this terrible American accent I don't uh, know what it was so and, like, yeah midwestern I don't know he was going for like a cowboy kind of <laughs> you know maybe it was intentionally bad just so that it, we, we you know Jay. we know but uh it was such a great turn and you think, Oh no, uh, you know, he's getting the gun from, from McLean and McLean knew it already too. I'm not Mm -hmm. not an idiot. He says, I just, yeah, I I think, uh, Alan Rickman's performance in this, you know, it, it's, it is, like you said, key to the movie. Uh, so between Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman, I mean, with either one of them and, and like the, uh, like the saying goes, it's not Christmas till Hans Gruber falls. From Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yes. And, and another thing about Christmas, uh, Franz Gruber, writer of Silent Night, Hans oh, Gruber. Oh, Hans. Yeah, it's not yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. the Silent Night. I mean, there's a whole Silent Night kind of theme going on here. <laughs> you know, true. when you think about it, he wants the lights to go out. You know, it's, uh, yeah, definitely wasn't a coincidence that they named him Hans Gruber. Uh, 
one of the things I, I liked was some of the incidental stuff. So we have the uh, the the TV news guys, like we have the the set where they're interviewing the expert about Helsinki syndrome. Uh, you know that which which is like by now <laughs> As in Helsinki, the, Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Finland? It's like the guy is like an idiot. The anchor. Uh, that was that was great. I love that. But uh, you know this idea that the, at this point the hostages and the and the uh, hostage takers are identifying with one another, and it's like then you you cut to them like abusing the hostages. It, it, yeah. they're, they're dragging, dragging a body Alice's out. dead body out of yeah, the, yeah. Out of the room. <laughs> but uh, yep. So um, you know the movie comes to its natural conclusion where uh, you know the, the the roof of the building blows up, and you have uh, uh, McLean confronts. Uh, you know, uh, Hans Gruber, I, get, I keep wanting to use the actor's names, uh, Hans Gruber to save his wife. He's got that great moment where he's taped the gun to the ba- to his back uh, using like the best tape. I, I don't know where which, that yeah, Which is apparently from. like waterproof tape that he <laughs> yeah. happened to find for packaging. Thing. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was on top of a crate or a box or something when yeah. it, at some point. I remember seeing it, but... Yeah, he's, he looks snake. at he looks at, I think he passed through the mailroom. I think that's what it was. And so oh, his mailroom yeah, tape. Yeah, he, which he makes sense. This. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he ran they, he ran he ran through that area a couple of times. Right, right. Yeah. But like to have that tape be able to stick to his back as sweaty and as gross as he was, that's some good tape. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, you know, he manages to uh use his Gorilla last two bullets tape. to good effect and save his wife. Uh but but did you notice the way he saved her was he had to uh disconnect the clasp on the Rolex watch she was given as for her promotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little bit of symbolism there uh, that he, <laughs> I'm not sure what the symbolism is supposed to be that uh, her job really was stupid. I don't know what, they, what they're trying to say there. <laughs> she had to let go of Nakatomi. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Re-embrace her family. Yeah. Well, job I'm, is killing you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure she has a job there anymore. I, I was going to say, I wonder, I wonder yeah, what yeah. kind of job would be left after that. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> In Die Hard 2, does she still work for Nakatomi? I don't remember now. I, I don't know. She she was she was just stuck in an airplane the whole time. She was flying in. Like, I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her husband did save them five hundred and forty million dollars in negotiable bear bonds. So. It, well, uh, I'm not sure how much of that burnt up in the uh, <laughs> in the True. flames and stuff. But to note there, when when Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Plaza, the terror on uh, Alan yep. Rickman's face was real. Yes. <laughs> He got a three, two, one countdown that went three, drop. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They wanted to get it authentic, and and apparently the that stunt was really hard to do yeah. because they didn't usually drop stunt. Even the stuntmen didn't drop uh, backwards. They would they would drop face first into mm-hmm. the uh, the bags or the or the boxes. They would sometimes have below. Them. And that was uncut. A really long fall. I mean, he fell several stories. Yeah, uh, when you watch it. Um, and of course, you know, boy, I hope that wasn't a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, yeah, that was good. And uh, I mean, there was even like a, technically, it was very hard to film and to keep the to keep him in focus as he fell. They had to develop a, a computerized, you know, computer controlled uh, camera uh, focusing system that you know for the first time on this film to to keep him in in focus. So it was that was a really important scene that was a, a great moment again another thing we'd never really seen in a, in a movie before like that and it was because there's no you don't see any lines you don't see you know cables it, it and it's it cannot be a stuntman and it was really something to watch that that scene for the first time on the big screen so yeah pretty wild 
So any other things you guys want to say about this movie? I, I got one last thing I want to discuss, but uh, the sort of in a, the larger concept of uh, of this movie. But uh, anything particular about this movie that we didn't bring up? I think this movie is one of those great movies that bridges the the fandoms. Uh, you know, action movie fans can watch it and love it because it's a good action movie. Uh, but people who aren't into action movies mm-hmm. can watch this movie and and get something out of it because you know the the character is not you know McLean's not an action hero. He's right. just a guy doing his job outside of his job. So he's going above and beyond any kind of call of duty that he would have. But he's just a human. He's not, you know, a muscle bound meathead that's that's you expect him to win. Right. And so I think tying together the the concepts of an action movie, a heist movie, and almost a horror film makes this movie really work. Yeah. Which is bizarre because it's such a it's such a B movie. Like when it, when it really yes. comes down to it, this is not an A list movie, but it came out so good because it's it was such a fresh view of what an action movie could be. That's true. It was That's well true. done. I thought it was well yeah. done. I mean, I, a B movie in the sense of a lot of the actors and you know some of the writing, you know, and everything like that. But I mean, it looks good, mm-hmm. um, especially for eighty eight. Um, I liked the choice of they cast. Um, European fashion models as the right. bad guys with their long flowing hair and everything, you know. I mean that, you know, except, except for the one. I mean, there was the quintessential. Um, he's Asian. He's the guy who steals the candy bar. He's yeah. always like a henchman in different movies. Yeah. Um, except when he was Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, was he? All right. All right. Sorry. Just, yeah. No, no, I didn't. Rem- I didn't remember that. Um, but yeah, I liked that. Um. I like the uh, it's one of those movies that you can watch over and over. And every time another scene starts, you're like, oh, I love this scene. Oh, oh, this <laughs> yep. scene. Oh, this is good. Yes. Oh, I love I love the You know, when he's tying the the hose around his waist and it's like, what am I doing? You right. know, I have to jump <laughs> off this building. They're shooting yeah, at me. And then he lands. No confidence at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he, he lands on this thing. And what is this thing that's sliding? But why is this on the table? This big, long pad. That he's sliding ironing board or something. Yeah. He's sliding off the. He's got to undo the his his well done knot. Um, there's just yeah. I'm just thinking, going through the different scenes. Um, uh, I could sit here and quote Alan Rickman all night with uh, all the, the 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 different things he he said. You know, it's Christmas, Theo. It's a time of miracles. You know, I mean everything. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> he's he's so great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I could I could do a part two on this and just talk about Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's you make a really good point, too, that this is, you know, it it's not in and of itself. If it were made in a different time, a great, you know, a great movie, you know, as in technically a writing or that sort of thing. But because it came at it, it was different and so different at a t- at that time that, that it came out it really struck a chord with people. And it's interesting. I was reading that Schwarzenegger was offered the role, but he turned it down because he wanted to do twins. He wanted to move from action to comedy. And I think there was this time, this was the transition moment from pure action, the invincible macho pure action star to the action comedy Mm -hmm. stuff that we've had really ever since. I mean, we still get uh, some heavy action stuff out there, but there's a lot of action comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really what all the Marvel movies are. And even the even the even the action heroes that are huge and muscular. I mean, 
Dwayne Johnson is known almost mm-hmm. much for goofing around as anything else. Right, right. Like even the uh, Jason Statham movies, there's a oh, lot yeah. of. Uh, uh, I mean, some of them are are more action than they are funny, but they always have the the. I mean, there's even the, the Schwarzenegger. As I think about it, the Schwarzenegger movies had their funny moments. Uh, sorry, stick around. You know that the, mm-hmm. the, the <laughs> I, I'll kill you last. You know that sort of thing. They, they had those moments, but uh, but there was this real transition to the yeah to the action heroes didn't have to just be silent, but silent and deadly. They could be funny vulnerable you know uh you know not perfect that sort of thing so um it's interesting that this kind of i wonder if this was the first one or you know there's been others in the in that time period i'm trying to think of on on my feet here like beverly hills cop kind of is a comedy action movie more comedy than action it was a buddy cop movie though and and they they had kind of perfected that formula enough that turner and hooch was a turning of that one on its head right that's right so so i would say the buddy cop movie was still a different thing and this one was really a for an action flick this is the first one to really incorporate that believable action hero right right yeah yeah i've I've been trying to think of it yeah i can't think of anything that precedes it that's like this yeah and Bruce Willis is the quintessential, you know, uh, fun action hero guy. You know that 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 is, came right out of this. So, and he's done a lot of movies in, in that realm. So, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit as you near know, the end here is, um, does the movie have a different feel post nine eleven? You know, the nine eleven. You know, I'm bringing things down now, but nine yeah, eleven yeah. <laughs> had. Uh, you know, the terrorists attack a building. This was a sort of a lighthearted terrorist attack a building and hijinks ensue. And I wonder, could you do this movie today the same way? Would we have to do it differently? Or has enough time passed in the 20 years since 9-11 that we could do the this movie like this? What do you think? In my mind, it's kind of those magically depends because Die Hard preceded it. Uh, it was already so firmly entrenched in everyone that that the, the diehard um, trope or method, met, you know that that, yeah. that mindset is already embedded in everyone. Everyone to this point where someone can say, "Oh, we're going to do diehard on a boat, diehard on a plane, or diehard right. on a, on mm-hmm. a tra- and people will go with it even post nine eleven. Just because if, if you know if it if diehard had come out like a couple of years, like two or three years before nine eleven, I don't think that would have it would have worked. But it's 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 just baked into everyone's consciousness. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think terrorism was a very different thing then as well, because there was a, there was a sense of like, even, even when they, even when they get into this movie, the, the trope that um, Hans Gruber goes with is we want you to release this people and these, and this group of people and this group, you know, he mentions like right. seven different completely unrelated uh, right. terrorist Brothers organizations. And sisters from the Pobo <laughs> Fund. The, the Asian Dawn. Asian Dawn right? <laughs> that he read about in the, Time Magazine. Right? So, so it's, it's and, and I think that was, that's the difference is that what post 9-11, what we saw was a very different kind of terrorism, which is really a terrorism that's, that's, that's prevalent in other places of the world where it's about destruction for fear's sake, terrorism in the real sense of causing terror to destabilize uh, a, a power that you are powerless against. And, and the two things this movie does to avoid that is one, um, they're terrorists in that old taking hostages to free the terrorist friends uh, vein. And then they're also not terrorists. They're, that's right. 
that's I think the thing you could do with this is that they're they're using that trope to get away with the the theft that they want to commit. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's it 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 lands differently. Yeah, eighties terrorists were like they were ideological. Uh, they were, yeah, like yeah, they were. There were a lot maybe of different the, terrorist maybe on the groups. idiot part. Yeah, yeah, idiot. They, they were not played with the high IQs. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, would they? I mean, the in the first uh, of the two movies that did the uh, White House attack, the Olympus has fallen. They went with Korea, South, you know, North Korea, right? As as the new bad guy. Um, here, they had these terrorists were, were were not from the Middle East. They were European. I don't know if we had a lot of European terrorists. Uh, you know, right. in the eighties that I can think of, the Bader Meinhof gang was was like was a a German terror group, and then you had yeah. uh, it was a, an Italian one. I can't remember the Italian one, but uh, yeah, I mean that's actually the thing. There were these revolutionary groups, and that's really what they were. More, they were supported. They were you know supported by the Soviets. They were sort of communist, trying to overturn the Western democracies. So it was a different kind of. It was part of the Cold War more than anything. And it wasn't religion as much as it was politics. And I think it lands differently that because of that. Uh, that One of the really sadistically interesting things here is what the 9-11 terrorists did, similar to Die Hard, playing on the, the terrorists are going to try to release the hostages right. to get mm-hmm. something, not just kill them all and fly into a building. So there was that trick that, Obviously, is off the table. I mean, if you now hear somebody's hijacked a plane, you're thinking we're all going to die. There's right. just we're, we're they're going to use this plane as a weapon. So you have that that thing too, where the to pretend you're a terrorist in a movie post nine eleven is not going to work uh, right. because they're not going to think the same thing. They're like, go in, just we got to go in right now. We can't negotiate. There's nothing we can do. They're just going to kill them. Right. Uh, so you have that. It's it's like we said. It's it's very different now. I, but I don't think that. I mean, they've made plenty of movies. You know that. Um, go there. You right. know, and and with that are similar. So I don't think they would but die away from it. What was what was twenty four's uh, run? What was that mostly late ninety? No, twenty four came out like right after nine eleven. In fact, right. They, yeah. So that was kind of like it. played on it. That yeah. played on the whole thing. But they never went into the 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 planes or anything like that just there was, all this other stuff there right? was in fact in the first season uh, that came out in 2001 that november there was a plane there was an incident that begins with something on a plane and think in fact i think a plane blowing up in the first episode or two that was very controversial because of 911 so yeah. yeah i remember that distinctly but um yeah i mean it it does it lands differently in this because like you say it's a heist movie they're not really terrorists um, and terrorism had a different face back then. It wasn't the same sort of thing. I mean, just like in Back to the Future, you could joke about, you know, Libyan terrorists uh, selling Doc Brown the plutonium. You know, it could be a, a source of humor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's uh, I think I want to wrap up, but just kind of any last notes you guys have or any particular scenes that you love about this, uh, particular lines. Um, one thing that one thing that we haven't mentioned. I guess is that I mean, yeah. Well, we have mentioned that Bonnie Bedelia didn't really do a whole lot after. I mean, she said, you know, she did, wasn't as, wasn't as visible as anyone else, everyone else after this. But her character actually was not a damsel in distress, really. No, she was. She was. I mean, yeah, she was. I mean, 
they they did not. I mean, you know, what was John McClane the hero? Yes, but was was she a was she a damsel in distress? She was not. Right. She had wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she called Hans Gruber an idiot. You know, what idiot right. put you in charge? You did. Because <laughs> you killed my boss. Oh, yeah, so I mean, yeah. like right. that, that, yeah, so, and she's, she, she stood at, you know, she was just, you know, I don't know, her aim probably wouldn't have been as good, but she was just as tough as her husband. Yeah, she, <laughs> right. she was juxtaposed to Ellis, who got hyped up on coke, got brave, and got himself killed, and didn't know what he was doing. Right. And she was the opposite. She was calm, cool, collected, mm-hmm. knew that her husband was, Irritating this guy who attacked the bar cart. I love yes. That. <laughs> yes. You know, only John no, can make someone that crazy. <laughs> yeah, only John can make someone that crazy. So, you know, she knew he was still alive, but she was concerned about the pregnant lady. She was concerned about people. Mm-hmm. You know, she she took over. Um, right. And she also tried to stay Dakagi's hand. Like she grabbed his wrist, like, keep back. They don't need to find you. Right. But he, he stepped up. Uh, anyway, you know, so she, yeah, you're right. Throughout the whole thing. Um, and this was oh late eighties. This was this was the st- a start of a lot of you know uh, women being stronger characters uh, in movies. Right, right. That's another reason I like this one. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Any other? Uh, uh, I did like the moment when uh, John punched the uh, uh, Thornburg in the face for putting his kids on TV. Well, that was it. Just, she. Did, no, did, she did it. She oh, did. She, that that's it. she did it. She, yeah. John, that's because in the second movie, she has a restraining order. Or, that's against, right. That's for, right. For hitting him. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. No, that was uh, that was great. And and uh, naming um, the chief of police guy Dwayne was great. <laughs> you know? Dwayne T. Robinson. He gets a middle initial. Dwayne. Has- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. else? No offense against people named Dwayne, I, but that yeah, just right. works really well. My my last thing is the observation that that where did all the C four go? Like th- th- you, you used to see C four in everything, right? Every movie had C four yep. in it, and and everybody knew how to use C four. Apparently, it was just the right. thing, you know. <laughs> and nowadays, like it's just not anywhere. What happened to it? I think it's, it all, got, it's all about tie pods now. Pods. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it got uh, Semtex was popular, and then I don't know. Yeah, this there's something else that they use. And I think that like the writers just kind of follow whatever the whatever the special forces are using these days. I don't know. It is funny. What was <laughs> the stuff? And it was it was was it three uh, in New York when like the two colors would mix. Yeah, remember that? And yeah, and it ended yeah, up the, not the, being anything anyway. But I, right, I don't even the, know if that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, but that but the, they they use the colors to drive up the tension. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Um. All right. So if there's uh if that's it, I think that's about does it. I mean, there's there, any other lines we want to quote, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, it, it is a Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. It, you know, it is a, a movie that is, it, it, oh, yes, obviously it doesn't have, you know, uh, the, the Christmas spirit to it, but it's one of those <laughs> things that just for people of a certain age, I guess, or just a certain mindset, it's a nostalgia fun thing to do early in December to you know, listen to, to I mean, to watch and you know, kind of enjoy that the the it's it, that small tea tradition of Christmas time, and I I always enjoy catching it when I can. So I like I watched it again for this podcast, but I almost didn't need to because I mean, obviously I don't remember <laughs> every detail as you can tell, but uh, it, it's it, it I wanted to watch it, so that's fun. All right, I want to uh, wrap things up first by taking a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Suzanne G., Mark C., 
Thomas P., Devin O., and Tony B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So before we go, I do want to kind of pitch uh, the uh, next episode. We're going to be in just a week. Uh, if everything goes all right, we're going to have another episode of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. And we're going to be talking about Christmas TV specials, our favorite Christmas TV specials. Not Christmas TV mo- or movies like like Wonderful Life and, and Holiday Inn. And the, but we already did an episode on that a few years ago. Well, I want to talk about Christmas TV specials, animated specials, stop motion ones, live action ones. We're going to talk about our favorites and we're going to we're going to have uh, some fun discussing that. So be sure to stay subscribed for that. But uh, that's it from us this time. What do you think of Die Hard as a Christmas movie or as a great action movie, the action movie that set up the action movies for the next 30 years? You can let us know by commenting on the show, posting at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. And until next time, Thomas Anaro, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Die Hard. It was great to be here. Uh, David Handlos, thank you as well. Thank you for inviting me. Mike Denz, thank you too. It's Von Monroe. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's not the the same recording, but that's who's saying "Let it snow" at the end. <laughs> and I I enjoyed this thoroughly. Great. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, yippee ki yay! <clears throat> Beat. <laughs> Beat. <laughs> <laughs>Hi everyone, this is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts may be tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. May God bless you this Advent, and may you have a blessed Christmas season.